Well, good morning, and again, thank you for all those that served at Caritas. It was a great two weeks. The women were blessed, and I'm glad you're part of it. You know, what we want to do, or our hope for you, our vision for you, is that you know God, that you come to know Him personally, intimately, that you find freedom, that you don't have to live with all the garbage and the junk that you started with, that God can free you. We think the best place for that to get free is in small groups. And, and we have a new small group semester starting the 1st of September. And so if you're interested in being a part of that, which we encourage you to do, sign-ups are online. Uh, Pastor Andrew's around. You can reach out to him. We just want to get you in a group, get you connected to other followers. In September, we're doing a study called Explore God. It's something that a bunch of churches in the community are doing. It's an apologetic series uh, about is the Bible true, all kind of stuff like that that it's an easy invite, and, and it's kind of foundational, but it's good stuff, and we want you to be a part. And then we want you to discover your purpose. Probably one of the questions I get asked more than any others is, what do I do now? What, Rick Warren said, what, what, what on earth am I here for? And we want to help you discover that through our growth track. It's a process of finding out your spiritual gifts, your personality type, and what you were really created for. We want to help you connect that. And that's why we do things like, uh, Caritas, that people can serve in their specific purpose. And the growth track is the first Sunday in August, and it's four consecutive weeks. I'm always at the first one. I'd love to meet you if you've never been, if I've never uh, sat down and heard your story. That's a great opportunity for that to happen. And then the last thing we want you to do is make a difference, to, to allow your gifts to be used for the glory of God. And, and here's, here's becoming one of my theme scriptures that I share a lot. But I want to remind you of it uh, often, 1 Timothy 6, Paul tells Timothy, Timothy is a pastor of a church. Paul would be telling me, Stan, tell Cloverhill. No, no, just don't tell him. Command him. A command is for your good, for your protection, or for the good of the kingdom. So anytime you hear the word command, it's for you. Command them to do good. No, just don't be good. Be rich in good deeds. Be above generous. Be, be more than willing to share. Do, be generous and willing to share. And there's, here's the important verse, so that you may take hold of the life that is truly life. That's what I want for you. The world says, get. The world says, it's all about me. We see what the world produces. It produces arrogant. It produces people that are unsatisfied, that they can never be fully and finally uh, complete and, and whole. And, and Jesus is saying, when you give your life, that's really when you experience life. When you sow, when you're generous, when you look at others above yourself, that's when you can really make a difference. So, so we want that for you, and that's why we have Caritas, and why we go to Beaumont every Sunday night, the Juvenile Detention Center, and why we're so active in the Foster Initiative here in our county, and, and, and why we do other things. We just encourage you to find your place of service and ministry and make a, glory, make a difference for the glory of God. Amen, everybody? Amen. I've been on vacation, and I love church signs, and I've shared a lot with them with you, but I found some more, and uh, new, new something, United Methodist Church, says we love hurting people, and, and it's not we love hurting people, we love, we love hurting people, we, that, that's how I kind of read that, if you're new to Cloverhill, we don't, we don't hurt people, we're going to be nice to you today, give you a Chick-fil-A gift card, we're going to bless you. Here's another one. Now is a good time to visit. Our pastor is on vacation. That's offensive. Who, who would do that? Cape Coral Community Church. Come on. Here's another one. Having trouble sleeping? We have sermons. Come hear one. 
Yeah, not good. And here, here's the last one, Faith Community Church. It's right beside the Spivey, right beside the porta potty. I, I, they, they were, obviously, they were groundbreaking, but their church sign person ought to find a better spot. So, so if, you, hey, if you find any church signs that, that I could use, you know, make sure they're usable. And uh, send them to me, will you? And I'd love to share them with the people. Today, we are starting a series on the parables. We're going to take six weeks, including Wednesday night, the first Wednesday I'm going to share the parable of the great pearl, and I encourage you to be a part of that first Wednesday. But for the next six weeks, we're going to take six of the parables. Parables are just stories that God, Jesus used while on earth to illustrate a spiritual principle or lesson. So it, there's some, there's some uh, symbolism in some of We'll break it all down. Today we want to talk about the sower and the seed. And can I, can I just encourage you that if, even if you've heard this before, if you've heard this parable that you would just lean in and say, God, show me something new. And if you'll open up your heart today, because really what today is, it's a heart check. What today, what I feel like the Lord was trying to get me to communicate is just ask the people to be honest with themselves and honest with God and really see where their heart's at. I remember when I was playing sports, we would be going through a difficult season, difficult time in the season. And the coach would, you know, maybe a key member of the team got hurt and was out on injury. Or maybe there was some disunity or disharmony amongst team members. And the coach would come in. We're facing a little adversity. And he'd say, okay, guys, it's time for a heart check. It's it's time. Let's get honest with one another. Let's be honest with ourselves. Let's really see why we're playing, what we're about, how we're going to make it through this, what we can do. And today is a heart check. And and in the seed of the sower, there's, there's, that's what we'll talk about. So it's the parable. So it's Mark chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. I'm not going to read that because it just kind of sets it up. This is where I want to start, Mark 4, 3. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. The farmer represents, obviously, the planter or the sower. And so when we talk about the sower, we know that God, the seed represents the word of God. So the sower, God is the author of the word. He's the one that he anointed men and women. They were carried along by the Holy Spirit to write God's word. So God's the author. The Holy Spirit is the illuminator. The Holy Spirit makes it come alive. So somebody could read, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Okay, you know, not a big deal. But the Holy Spirit illuminates that and makes it come. Oh, for God so loved me that it wasn't arbitrary, but it was purposeful that he sent his only son, the one that was from heaven, and he gave his life for me. And if Christ thought I was worth dying for, then he's worth living for. That's the Holy Spirit that that has to illuminate the truth of God's word into the hearts of of people. And and also the farmer is, is really us in this instance. It's the one who sows the seed. We are the carriers of the word. We are the carriers of the gospel message. And can I just remind you that your, your life gives you uh, the right to sow seed. Your life. If you can, I don't mean you're perfect or you never make mistakes, but if you're not able to say, hey, follow me as I follow Christ, if your life doesn't align with what you say, if, you, if there is not evidence that you are pursuing a relationship with Christ, your life does not give you the right to be a sower. Your, 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 your service gives you an opportunity to sow. So when you do something good for other people, when, hey, can I help you with that? 
can I, how, how can I serve you here? It, it, by, by, by your works, by your serving, it opens up a door where you can sow some seed. And so it's so important, it's so vital, again, that we are known by our love, that we're known by our grace, that we're known as followers of Christ, we're, we're known by our attitudes, that, that we say it's not anything of selfish ambition, but I'm going to consider others better than myself. And I'm going to take on the very attitude that Christ had, and I'm going to give of myself first and try to serve other people to the best of my ability. And here, here's the last thing, your experience or your story gives you the courage or the passion to sow seed. So I have this conviction. It's just not an idea. It's just not a thought. It's a conviction that life is better with Jesus. It's not easier. It's better. It's been found true in my life. I've seen it in the life of others. And so when I get up before you on Sunday morning and I spit and I sweat and I scream and I yell, it's because I had this passion. It's like fire shut up in my bones. I want you to know Jesus so desperately because it's better with Jesus. It just is. And that, and whatever your story is, whatever your experience is going to be the fire, the flame that ignite, gives you passion and gives you courage to sow seed. And obviously, I said it before, but the seed is God's word. And when the word of God is accepted and received, it generates life. When the word of God, it, it creates faith, it produces change, it beats back the devil, it heals hearts, it builds character, it transforms circumstances. The word of God imparts joy and overcomes adversity and defeats temptation and infuses hope and releases power. The, the word of God is quick and sharp and powerful. It's active. It, it has the ability to do what really nothing else can do. And then, then it goes on, and there's a third part to this story, or a third proponent, or so, and it's the, it's, the, it's the soil, and the soil represents the heart. That's why we're having a heart check today. And let me read it to you. As he was scattering the seed, scat, sowing the word, sharing about Jesus, living a life of faith, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up, and some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. And it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell amongst the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Will you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you for your word today. And in these next few moments, my prayer is that your word would accomplish the purpose for which it was sent. That you would help me to preach it accurately, passionately, but probably most important, just with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And that you would prepare the hearts of your people to receive it today. And that it would make a difference in our lives and it would cause, it would cause an abundance of fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. So the soil represents our heart. So it describes four hearts. In the latter part of Mark's gospel, Jesus, he, he gives the illustration first, and he gives the, what it means later. And let's look at that. Here's the first heart. It's a callous or hard heart. Here's the first type of heart. Here's what Mark 4.15 says. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown, and as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. When my boys were growing up, Tyler and Zach specifically, we had bare spots in our backyard. 
And I, you know, some of you parents know what I'm talking about. It was home base and first base. Our backyard was, it was like Wrigley Field every afternoon after school. That's where all, all the kids in the neighborhood played. And I, I, don't, I didn't like it. I don't like, I like grass. I like yards. I like, I like you know, that's what, and my grandmother would always call me and say, Stan, just remember you're not, you're not growing grass, you're growing kids. And just put up with them bear spots. And, and yes, ma'am, you know, and whatever. And I hated, I hated bear spots, but, but that's just where they slid. That's where they stood. And every fall, I would go and try to repair those bear spots. Because at least during the fall, I wanted a nice yard. Maybe in the winter, you know, it wouldn't be brown and, and dusty and dirty. And I would get the tiller out, and the ground was so hard that it would just beat the cheese out of me trying to till up that ground. And, and I would throw seed, and it would just lay on top of the soil. And I would water it, and I would fertilize it. And to, to no avail, no seed could grow. It was, it, was, it, was, it was so compacted, it was so hard, the Word of God couldn't take root. And Jesus is describing that kind of soil which could mean somebody's heart, that it becomes so hard, it becomes so callous, it becomes uh, so distant that they can't receive the love of God, the grace of God, the compassion of God. They can become so resistant. And then that's a lot. You know what makes your heart hard? Your heart hard? Just arrogance. I don't need God. You stiff arm him. I can do it on my own. I just, this attitude of self-dependency, I can, I can make my own way. Here's what Here's what, let me just give you a few scriptures. 1 Corinthians 1.18. For the, concerning, I think it's concerning hard hearts. For the message of the cross, the truth of God's word, the seed of the gospel, it's foolishness to those who are perishing, to those who are resistant against it, to those who are hard against it. The message that I'm preaching today is foolishness, and I'm the messenger, I'm a fool. What, what do you mean you need Jesus? What do you mean life is better with Jesus? You've never been to Applebee's with all my buddies. You, you don't even know what life really is living. How does, I know you say God created it, but God doesn't know how life should be lived. You're mad. It's foolishness. Why would I want to save myself from marriage? Why would I want to honor my relationships? Why would I want to keep my covenants? This man, it's foolishness. But to us who are being saved, us with, who have received it, it's the power of God. I, I know God's power in his word. I'm a, I'm a recipient of it. I've, I've experienced joy when, when, when I had no right to be joyful because of the circumstances. I know what it is to have peace, indescribable and, underst and not understandable because of the presence and the goodness of God. I know what it is to, to be led by the spirit and walking in God's grace and know the feeling of forgiveness and, and trying to keep your commitments and honoring the Lord. To those whose hearts have become hard, it's foolishness. Stop it, even we're the problem. Quit preaching about God. Like, like uh, uh, Andrew said in Russia, they're trying to just shut it down because it's foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. Here's another verse. For although they knew God, I went to church. My grandmother told me about God. At one time, I had an encounter with God. But I didn't glorify him as God. You know what that means? I didn't put him in his proper place. I didn't revere him and respect him and stand in all of him and honor him. He was just another, he was just another God on a list of gods. There's many ways to heaven, and, 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 and I'm not, you know, whatever, to each his own, whatever. I'm not going to glorify him as God, nor did I give thanks to him. And you know what happens? Your thinking becomes futile about God. You know what the word futile means? It means trifling, frivolous, unimportant. 
When you don't glorify God as God, when you don't give him praise and thanksgiving with your mouth, your minds get, get, the Bible calls it depraved. They get turned around. They get upset. God is frivolous. God is unimportant. God is, is trifling. I don't need God. I can do it on my own. And their foolish hearts are darkened. Your heart becomes hard. It becomes harder and harder to penetrate. You know what else can cause a hard heart? It's just pain, offense. Somebody's hurt you. Well, you, you, you know, if, if God is so good, why did my wife leave me? If God is so good, why did I miscarry? If God is so good, why didn't he answer my prayer? And look, I don't have all the answers. I, I don't know why bad things happen to good people. I do know that it rains on the just and the unjust. I don't, I don't know uh, why the innocent suffer, but I do know his grace is sufficient and his strength is made perfect in my weakness. I do know that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I, I don't know why some things turn out the way they do. But I do know that God has promised, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to fear any evil, for he's with me. And his rod and his staff, they comfort me. I do know God gets blamed for a lot of stuff that he's not the author of. That he didn't, it wasn't his purpose, wasn't his desire, wasn't his heart. Can you, can you just, when you're going through a challenging, difficult time, can you just remember that we live in a fallen world? That when Adam and Eve sinned, it turned the world upside down. It, it went from this perfect, sinless environment to this world that was upside down. That, that, that brought, ushered in sin, and sin ushered in sickness and disease and hatred and racism and, and pain and, and all kind of other junk. Sin is, we blame God on a lot of stuff that has everything to do with the world that we live in. And, and, and that's why I'm excited about a new heaven and a new earth. We're, we're in, and I think it's getting closer and closer where God is going to say, okay, Jesus, it's time to go. And the trumpet's going to sound and the sky is going to split. And Jesus is going to come back for those who long for his appearance. And we're going to be ushered into a perfect place with a perfect God, with perfect relationships the way it was was intended and meant to be. We also have a real enemy. We blame God for that. God came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He sent his son for that. Gee, Satan is the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his goal. That's his purpose. That's his ambition. We, 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 we try to blame God and, and get mad at God. And I'm, I'm just saying, man, don't live in with a, there's nothing worse than living with a hard heart. It reeks with bitterness and causes hatred. It repels people from you and makes yourself miserable. And if anybody had a right to have a hard heart, it was Paul. He was misrepresented. He was mis mistreated. But you know what? He chose joy. He said, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I'm going to say rejoice. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness is knowing Christ is Lord. I'm going to be, I'm just going to allow, just remember that I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. That I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. And I'm going to consider him who went under such opposition from men. So that when I grow weary and, and get tired and think the world's against me, that I won't throw in the towel or give up or quit. It's just, it, it, this hard heart is the first heart. And that's the question I'm asking you. How's your heart today? Here's what uh, Ezekiel said God wants to do. I want to give you a new heart. I want to take the hard, bitter, resentful heart. I want to put a new spirit within you. I want to remove from you a heart of stone that's like that bare spot in my backyard. That's like that soil that that farmer couldn't 
get any seed in too. And I want to give you a heart of flesh, a soft heart, a pliable heart, a heart that can receive my grace, that can walk in my joy, that it can experience my love. I want to do that for you. Here's the next heart. It's a casual or compromising heart. Here, here's how Jesus explained it. Others like the seed sown on the rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. And, 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 and we see that so often emotions are, are stirred. There must be more. This isn't how life should be lived. And so they surrender to Jesus, but it's only for a season. It's a, it's a fix me now type of relationship. It's a many. Here's what it is. We're just having a heart check. Many want a savior. They want their sins forgiven, but they don't want a leader. They don't want a Lord. Many want a quick fix, but not a long-term relationship. Many want the power, but they don't want to do the disciplines. Many want the benefits, but they don't want to obey the commandments. Many want a free pass to heaven and an escape from their problems, but they don't want to forsake all to follow Jesus. And so when persecution comes and when trials comes and challenges come, and, 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 and they, they just walk away. And, you know, I, I take some of the blame, I think, because we, we as preachers sometimes teach a, a, a Jesus is Savior only, and our message can sometimes maybe be interpreted as come to Jesus and get, get salvation and get peace and get love and get prosperity and get success and get help. And we've cheapened the gospel of Christ to an answer to a solution of life's problem to an improvement of your lifestyle. We've tried to sell Jesus like a businessman trying to meet a quota. And what we now have is self-seeking converts that are only interested in what God can do for them. They're only interested in, in, in him blessing them. And when things get hard and get challenging, they, they turn away and go do something else. Jesus never said, go and make converts. He said, go and make disciples. Disciples deny themselves and they take up their cross and follow Jesus. Disciples break with the world's thinkings and practices and conform to the plan and the purposes of God. Disciples love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and they love their neighbor as themselves. Disciples realize they're not their own. They were bought with a price. Disciples make it their goal to please him because one day they know they'll stand before him. God doesn't want converts. He wants disciples. We love the quote, and I love it too. Remember, we're having a heart check. What, where's your heart? Is it hard? Has it become complacent? Has it become casual? Have you drifted? And here's my fear. Sometimes we don't even realize we've drifted. And, and, and my hope today is we realize it by the, by the Spirit of God and that we realign ourselves. We were at the beach, and it's so easy Angie's sitting in her lawn chair reading her book, letting the waves wash up on her feet. Wasn't that fun? I want to go back. And just, just chilling and enjoying it. And me and Emily are out in the waves, and before we know it, she's here. We started there. We're all the way over there. And the current is just taking us, and, and, and that's the current. If you're not intentional, you will drift. By nature, you will drift. And some of you don't even realize you become casual and complacent. And today we're saying, hey, let's have a heart check. Have I drifted away from Jesus being my number one priority? We love to quote, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Man, I love that verse. 
But what about the verse that says, I beat my body and make it a slave, so after I preach to others, I myself won't be disqualified for the prize. We love to say, oh, my God's going to supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. And he does and he will. But what about the verse that says, if you want to gain your life, you've got to give your life. Or ask, man, just ask and it'll be given unto you. What about if you love me, you'll obey me. One man was trying to justify his divorce to me not long ago, and he said, we just don't get along. We raised the kids, and now it's my turn to be happy. As if our happiness takes precedent over our obedience to God's word and the commitments that we've made. And that's the culture that we live in. That's the, era, that's the Christianity that we've bought into. And here's what, here's what Jesus calls it in the book of Revelation. I wish you were either hot or cold, cold or hot. <laughs> so because you are lukewarm... Neither hot nor cold. I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You, you know why we throw up? Because our bodies can't take in. It, it can't receive. It can't assimilate what, what we've eaten. You know what Jesus is saying? Lukewarm people make my stomach nauseous. They, they, make, they make my stomach hurt. Because whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me daily. I, I, here, here's, here's, how, here's how Paul said it. This one thing I do, I don't want to be casual, complacent, okay, well, how do I get out of that? You make it a priority, I'm going to forget what is behind. I can't change the past. I can't, I can't dictate the past. I, here's what Paul's saying, I'm going to quit living out the rearview mirror. I'm going to quit living of what I did or what I should have done or what I could have done. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to strain toward what is ahead. There's something better for me. And I'm going to press toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And here, here's the promise. For the eyes of the Lord reign throughout the whole earth to strengthen those whose hearts are half-hearted towards him, are casual towards him, are complacent towards him. No, who are fully committed to him. Heart check. Where's your commitment? Here, here's the next heart, a crowded or divided heart. Many, many of us fall into this, and, and we love God. We just love other stuff just as much. And we, we've allowed people, places, position to get in, in the way of our relationship with Christ. Activity, stuff. Still others, like the seed sown among the thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life. I got retirement to save up for. I got college to pay for. I've got struggles in it. The deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the world, making it unfair. Again, we're having a heart check. Are the worries of this life, are the deceitfulness of wealth, are the desires of more things choking out your relationship with Christ? Is he, is he just become somebody on the back burner? Or have you forgotten those things which are behind? Are you pressing forward with, with zeal and, and, and fervor and a tenacity and say, God, I want to know you and make you known? It's, it's, a, it, it, it's a heart check. How, what, what are some things that keep us choked out? Well, obviously wealth. And that's why Jesus said you can't love you can't have two masters. Either you'll love the one and hate the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot love both God and money. It's, it doesn't work. 
And that's why tithing is so important. And this is not a message on tithing, but that's why giving is so important because it, it frees you. It, it, it declares with your actions that the money, your money is not your God, that God's your God, and you're going to prove it by giving in the first 10% of everything you make. Solomon, it derailed him. Solomon had all the potential, all the possibility. The, the son of David, the next great king of Israel, but because of he, he desired stuff, more gold, more silver, more, more, more income, it, it ruined him. It choked out his relationship with God. Some of you are on that path. Your career is all that's concerning to you right now. And I'm not, you know, David also had a lot of wealth. King David, a lot of, a lot of position, a lot of power. But somehow he managed to keep it all in focus and all intact where God still remained the main thing. So it's possible. It's just got to be intentional. Uh, Samson's thing was relationship. Samson had an uncontrollable uh, appetite for sex, and it derailed him. It ruined his life. And can I just our students for a moment? I I want want boyfriends and girlfriends, not a poet. I'm just I'm just saying you can become so consumed with them, where they got to meet your need and fill in the gap, and and you're so in awe of them, and and it and it can crowd out your relationship with Jesus. I used to have to tell, tell girls that, hey, don't, that boy that wants to have sex with you, don't, don't, don't give in. And now you've got to tell the boys because the girls are just as aggressive. And, 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 you know, I've heard some kids say, well, if I don't have sex with him, he's going to break up with me. And he said that I'll prove my love for him for sex. He's not in love. He's in heat. He doesn't even know what love is. And you know what, too? That was kind of funny, but nobody laughed. But you know what you tell him? I'm not going to let you ruin my life. I mean, some, I've heard a, a boy tell me, I got to prove my manhood. You know, if you got to prove your manhood, go chop down a tree. But, you know, you prove, there's more than having sex. If you're married, have sex and lots of sex. And my kids just threw up in their mouth. They, they, they just got disgusted. But if you're not, honor the Lord, honor yourself, honor your future spouse. Flee from sexual immorality because all other sins a man commits are outside his body. But he who sins sexually sins against his own body, and you're not your own, you're bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body and your life. Listen to me, young people. Your greatest commitment is to look to the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be better for it. You listen to a God that's lived longer than you have and, 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 and made mistakes and watched other people made mistakes. Serve Jesus. Go after God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things. They'll work out. Control what you can control. Go after God and leave the details to him. Amen, everybody? That's good. That's good preaching. Here. What time is it? Uh, here's what the psalmist said. Psalms 86, 11. Teach me your way, O Lord. Here's the prayer. I don't want a crowded heart. I don't want a divided heart. And I'll walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear, fear your name. Here's the last. Here's the last. This is where we want to be converted or committed heart. We're having a heart check. Is your heart hard? Is it casual? Is it divided? Or is it committed? Here's, here's what Jesus said. Others like the seed sown on good soil. They hear the word. They accept it. And it produces a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times 
what was sown. You know, you know what a committed heart looks like? It, it's a life that's yielding to the Holy Spirit. What, is, what do you mean by that? You're, 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 at your, you're in your den watching TV and you're flipping through the channels and something comes on and the Holy Spirit, oh, that's a red flag. Don't go there. You don't want to watch that. That's not good for you. Don't spend time there. And you can either reject it or you can say, I'm going to yield to that. I'm going to give right away to that. I'm going to turn the channel. I'm going I'm to watch something that builds me up, doesn't tear me down. When the Holy Spirit says, hey, you need to go talk to him. You need to go forgive him. You need to go deal with this. You need to go whatever. If you're yielding to the Holy Spirit, your, your antenna's up. Your ears are open. And you're saying, I don't want to be drunk with wine. I want to be filled with your spirit. I want you to lead me. and I want to be spirit-led, not flesh-led. I want the spirit of God to lead me. You know what it means to be? It means to be obedient to God's word, to committed to following his leadership, to pursuing a close relationship with him. When you have a committed heart, your motto is not how much pleasure I can get out of life, but how much is my life bringing pleasure to God? And when you're walking like that, the Bible says you produce a crop. That means you leave a legacy. You make a difference. You, you have fewer regrets, less remorse. That, that's a life that gets to heaven and you hear the words, well done, well done, thy good and faithful servant. So what do I do? Well, here's what we do. The psalmist gave us a little prayer. Search me, O God. And know my heart. We need a heart check. We live in turbulent times. We live, we live, we live in, in a difficult era right now when it comes to Christianity. And it's not time for the church to go into the hiding. It's time for the church to be the church, to be the salt, and to be the light, and to be the healing agent in this, in this nation. But it cannot come from Christians that have hard hearts. It can't come from believers that are casual in their faith and in their walk. It will be more discrediting. It'll cause more issues and more troubles with, to the watching world. It can't come from believers that have a crowded, divided heart, that are serving something throughout the week and trying to serve Jesus. It's got to be followers of Jesus that are all in, that are sold out, that are committed to his purpose, that are following his lead, that love him with all their, that are they're just desiring, Lord, nothing compares to their surpassing greatness as knowing Christ Jesus is Lord. God, it's my prayer. Search me and know my heart. Amen, everybody. Bow your heads and your hearts with me, will you? Lord, we just, we acknowledge the Holy Spirit that he's here. And we ask you to search our hearts. Right now, in the holiness of this moment, in the stillness of this time, will you be honest with God and honest with yourself? How's your heart? We need a heart check. Have you allowed offense a, a and hurt and pain, rejection, to harden your heart? Oh, God, take that heart of stone and make it a heart of flesh in Jesus' name. Trade in, in your hurt for his forgiveness. Trade in your pain for his peace. Will you do it? Lord, soften my heart. soften it. Maybe you've drifted today. You're casual. And the Spirit of the Lord has brought that to your attention. And I hope you'll just declare, I've decided to follow Jesus. Though none go with me, still I will follow. The cross before me, the world behind I'm re-enlisting. I'm getting back 
on your team, God. I don't want to be casual or complacent. Change my heart. Maybe your heart's become crowded, and it's more than a season. It's more than a project. It's, a, it's become a lifestyle. You've allowed other things to, to grow in the place where God needs to be. Lord, teach me your ways so that I can walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I can fear your name. Ask the Lord to forgive you, to cleanse you, to help you. If you'll confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins, cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You're examining your heart. It's a heart check. Maybe you're here today and you've never given your heart to the Lord. You've never said yes to Jesus. Will you say, I'm a Christian. I... I'm a good person. The Bible says your goodness is like filthy rags. I'm not good enough. You're not good enough. Our goodness can't can't earn forgiveness. Jesus is the only one that was sinless, and Jesus is the only one that can forgive. And he who knew no sin became sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He's the only one that can pardon you and forgive you and reconcile you. It's not your goodness. It's not your works. It's trusting in Jesus. Well, well I, I'm a Christian. I believe. The Bible says the demons in hell believe, but they're not followers of Christ. God's not interested in a, in a head knowledge. He's interested in a heart conversion. He wants you to give him, his, give him your heart, your life, surrender to his will, to his ways. And even in this moment, your heart's pounding, your stomach's turning. What is that, Pastor? It's the... It's the pull, it's the tug of the Holy Spirit. Well, what do I do? You respond to him with something like this. Lord, I realize I need you today. I realize I've even been confused about what it means to be, to be saved. And, and my goodness isn't enough. And my works don't, don't prove it. And my head knowledge doesn't even matter. I accept you into my heart. Forgive me and cleanse me. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. In Jesus' name. In just a moment, Pastor Andrew will give you some next steps, some instructions if you gave your heart maybe to the Lord for the first time today. But this is what I want. I want us to take a, a step of faith. I want us to make a commitment. Maybe your heart was crowded. Maybe your heart was hard. Maybe your heart was casual. Maybe you never knew Jesus. Or maybe you've been committed. But but I want us to just, and I don't want you if you don't want to, but I'm going to. I just want to stand in the presence of God, and I want to lift my hands, and I want to say, God, I give you my life. Can we do that? Can we just recommit today? Can we, can we offer ourselves to God as a living sacrifice? Can we raise our hands and lift our voice and just say, God, I give you my life. I offer myself to you afresh and anew. I surrender to your will and to your way. I, not my will, but thy will be done. God, I, I want all of you, not some of you. I want to seek you with everything that I have. I, I want you to be the priority and the passion of my heart. God, I want you more than anything. I want you more than anything. I want your will more than anything. God, I give you my life. I surrender to you. 
Thank you for saving me. And I invite you and I ask you to be my Lord and my leader. Be my master. Be my king. Be Adonai in my life, Jesus.